Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. You know, I'm convinced if we were to unlock these chairs and kind of make a bunch of circles and you had to look across from one another in this room and you had the opportunity to tell your story where God's been faithful and encourage, almost encourage one another to be able to talk to one another and point out where God's been faithful in your life and then the person across me be able to tell you where God's been faithful in their life would be here for hours, right? We begin to swap stories and tell each other be able to share where God has shown up in ways that you never expected him to show up. Amen? Why I say that is it's Communion Sunday, and I, I love Communion Sunday because it is the first Sunday of, a, of the month, and today I want to teach through this idea of communion and what it can look like for us and this idea of God's faithfulness in our life and how his goodness constantly chases after us and what that means for us as individuals, but also what it looks like for us as a community of believers of Jesus. Amen? So I want to remind you, Acts chapter 2, 42, it's going to be on the screen. I'll pull it up here as well been reading through Acts for quite some time now, so we're taking it back here to Acts 2. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, those being the disciples and those early followers of Jesus, and they devoted themselves to fellowship and then to the breaking of bread and the prayers, that they would actually gather with one another on a regular basis, and they would come under the teaching of what the apostles were teaching about the person of Jesus, and then they would actually have these moments of communion, communing with one another, breaking of the bread, and following the words of Jesus that we find in the gospel message when he sits down at the infamous Last Supper, and he breaks bread, and he shares the cup, and they all share in this moment together. This is what the early followers of Jesus were doing on a consistent basis, and that they would gather and swap stories of the goodness of God, and they begin to share stories of his faithfulness with one another. And we get to do that here today at the end of this message. Now, I want to take you to an Old Testament verse in Isaiah 43, 16 through 19. I'm going to say a couple of verses, and then we'll have some on the screen. It says this, Thus they is the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Verse 18, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now this portion of scripture where the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of God, he's talking about this first part of chariots and horses being essentially swallowed up by the rivers, by the water. He's talking about the moment where the Israelites, the people of God, were coming through the Red Sea and leaving oppression and slavery from Egypt. And Pharaoh's army is coming down on them, and then they're all wiped out. This is like the biggest moment in the history of these people. And the prophet Isaiah is telling them about this, reminding them, and then he also says, forget those former things. I am doing, God is doing a new thing in your life. And what's crazy about this verse here in Isaiah is that the disciples, the early followers of Jesus, if you're 
a young Jewish individual, you would actually do this on a regular basis. You would sit and have communion. You would have bread breaking and wine drinking, and you'd actually share and swap stories of that actual story where God brought you out of oppression, and you would share that story to keep that story going within your lineage. So this is what we get to do. We get to share stories of how God has been good and faithful. And this whole entire verse here in Isaiah is pointing to a person, and that person is Jesus. The new thing that he is talking about, God, forget the former, for I'm doing a what? New thing, and that person is Jesus. And that's who we, who we commune around when it comes to communion. Amen? So let me pray, and then we'll get into this. God, thank you for moments like these where we can sit at the proverbial table with like-minded believers and people who are being brought into this space. And whether we know them or not, God, we're grateful that we are under your banner, the banner of Jesus. And we're grateful that we've been able to worship and revere your name through, through song and through uh, worship this morning. And God, we've been able to come in this space and petition amongst ourselves for people in this community, praying for people who are needing healing and needing your grace and direction and wisdom. God, thank you that we've been able to honor you with our gifts this morning as well. Now, God, I ask you to lead out in this message so then we can better understand what true communion in your name means. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, October 8th, and my household is a historic date. Why? Because it's my wife's birthday, October 8th, 1987. She just turned 36. Now, I'm not going to talk about that October 8th, but I'm going to talk about another October 8th in history. Huge event in history. October 8th, 1871 was the date of the Great Chicago Fire. Now, I know none of you were there. Um, That would be insane. But 1871, the Great Chicago Fire is kind of close to us. Why? Because we're in Rockford and we're kind of close to Chicago. So there's a little bit of understanding of what this fire meant. Chicago Fire was started on the southwest side of Chicago in a barn, Patrick and Catherine O'Leary's barn. The, the tale is that the, the, the cow kicked over a lantern, and then next thing you know, Chicago's burnt down. But I digress. For more than 24 hours, the fire burned through the heart of Chicago, killing 300 people and leaving one-third of the city's population homeless. 90,000 people left homeless because of this fire. Rain put out the fire more than a day later than the fire destroyed 17,500 buildings, 73 miles of street destroyed, $222 million. In our day, $5.6 billion to fix all the damage that Chicago endured that day. It took about two years to begin fully rebuilding the city of Chicago, that, which was destroyed. And now we look at Chicago today. Again, it's kind of close to home because it's just a few miles up the street, right? It looks, this is a beautiful skyline of Chicago, and it looks amazing. But just imagine all of it, or a third of it, completely burned to the ground to rubble, and then something was able to be reborn from it, rebuilt from it. Almost as if, like, something was in the past and done and dead, and then something was able to what? Come alive. Something new was able to come forth. Do you not perceive that something out of the rubbles and ashes, something new can happen? This is the beautiful part about our story as followers of Jesus. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 
Corinthians 5.17, he says, anyone who belongs to Christ has what? Become a new person. He says, the old life is gone and new life has begun. Forget the former things for a new thing is coming. The person of Jesus in your life, following him, this is what the new life can become. You are a new person, those who are followers of Jesus. And I love that Paul is encouraging those believers in Corinth, saying, hey, hey, the old life is gone, the new life has come. You are a brand new person. And I want you you guys to get that image in your brain about this idea of your mind's eye of the Chicago fire destroying a third of the city, and then now we see what it is today, and it's almost like we can't even imagine, wait a minute, it was burnt down, and then something was be able to be rebuilt. See, I think if you're like me, we love like a rebuild type of story. It's like if someone takes an old classic car and they're able to rebuild it and repurpose it and make it this amazing, beautiful car, right? We see that. Or the phenomenon of Fixer Upper that hit all the TVs and every single house that was old and became a new house. And maybe for you, if you ever like flipped a house before, done a home renovation, it's like the kitchen used to look like this and now you do all that work and it looks something completely different. All that work to make something look new. Or even if like in the sports world, it's you see a sports team, maybe it's someone that you like and it's an old team and they're figuring out, they're trying to rebuild and they just can't figure it out. And then one day they rebuild and they make it to the Super Bowl. Now that will never happen right now for those who love Chicago, but we're always saying we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. So this totally goes against my message, but you get the point. We love like a rebuild or a renew kind of story. It's, it's awesome to see something that was in a sense burnt to ashes that was be able to be built up to something brand new. This is what I think about when I look at what Paul is saying and the prophet Isaiah is even saying is that you are a new person. What? The old is gone. The new has come. And yet, if you're like me, I kind of struggle with this because is it just like drinking some magic potion? The news just comes and it's over. It's it. This is, this is all I have to do. No, I think it's this constant rebuilding, this daily decision to become a new person on the daily. I was just talking to someone even this week who's dealing with serious loss in their life. And I was asking about, has there been another pain point in your life where this has happened? And he was saying about 14 years ago when he lost his grandmother, it's just this pain that he had to experience, and now he's experienced another loss in his life even currently as a, as a young adult. I said, well, what was the difference between then and now? How did you approach it? He's like, oh, the person I was then is completely different. Wouldn't even recognize the person I am today. And it had me thinking about even this, this quote from this Greek philosopher, Heraclitus. He says, you cannot step into the same river twice. Now, it kind of feels like an interesting thought to, to say, but it, the river doesn't really change. Well, I guess the water keeps moving, so maybe it's new water, but what really is the difference if I can't step into the same river twice? Because I'm a different person every single time I step into it. So the person you were 10 years ago, the hope is that you're becoming a new person on the daily, so then today you're a new person. You can look back and say, I am not who I used to be. I'm a different person today. And I think this is what Paul is trying to encourage the church in Corinth and the followers there in Corinth. He's saying, hey, the old life is gone. You're a new person. 
And yet it takes a daily decision to acknowledge that and then walk this thing out every single day. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians as well where Paul, this breathes life into my soul, truly. Chapter 4, 16 through 18, this is Paul again encouraging the believers there in Corinth. He says, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed, what? Day by day. The outer self is wasting away. There's things in your life and circumstances that are going on currently right now that you are facing that you have no control over. Yet what we do have control over is what's taking place on the inside. And I love what Paul is saying. He's saying the inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is where we take the turn. We, it brings us to this idea of communion. See, communion isn't just a box that we check especially when it comes to our Sunday gatherings here at Four City. Sure, we have it scheduled that every single first Sunday of the month we would receive communion together as a church family. And you sit in your chair and you have your thing and you peel back the top and you have your little tiny wafer and then eventually you drink the cup and we pray and then that's our communion. But to the early believers, it meant the world to them because they were able to sit at these tables and share where God's faithfulness has been in their life and begin to share where God has shown up in ways and they begin to share almost the gospel message with one another, reminding each other that he is good and that we would recognize what Jesus said, like I said earlier, when he said, when you do this, what do you do? You're doing this to remember me. Remember my broken body, remember the blood that was spilt out, and remember that in me there is new life. And because in me there's new life, you now are what? A new person, amen? So we sit and we reflect. This isn't just a drive-by. We don't just fly by these moments. But here we are in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. Paul again, right before he's talking to the church there in Corinth again about this moment of communion, breaking bread, reminding one another of the faithfulness of God. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. You ought to examine yourself before you break that bread and before you pass it around, before you take the cup of the new covenant found in Jesus. You're looking inside and saying, where in me is not made new? What in me needs to be made new? What's that daily renewal that Paul was talking about later in 2 Corinthians saying, on a daily basis, you're being renewed. Well, how do I acknowledge that? How? You sit at the communion table. Let it be a symbol. Let it be a practice on a daily where we begin to reflect and say, oh God, search my heart. And what is necessary in these moments is what's called the counselor of the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal those things inside of you. What needs to be made new in me today? So that when I continue to walk closer and closer to the path that God has for me, I can look back and say, oh, I'm a whole different person because Jesus is renewing me every single day. Amen? See, friends, you're a brand new person. A new person in Jesus. And I can guarantee in this room, if we were to swap some stories, you'd be like, yeah, no, 
not not me though. Great message, killer time. Love it, love it here. But there, I, I don't really feel all that new. Which that's also the tension that I think I have with this idea of you're a new person because it feels like it should just happen like this overnight and done. But it's the daily walking with Jesus that is required so then we can become the new person that Jesus continues to have for us to become. And that's what I love about communion. That's why I love that we're able to receive communion here together as a church family. And I wanted to teach this thing out so we have a better understanding of what it looks like when we sit and we break bread, not only just for ourselves, and this is why I love what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, examine yourself, and you can't necessarily always hide from yourself. You can kind of stuff some things down, but you know where you can't hide yourself? When you're sitting at a table with some people. Because now they're looking at you you have the ability to share what's going on in your life so then they can also share what's going on in their life. And now, true life change can actually take place at the table in communion. That's why communion is so important as believers. And I love that Acts chapter 2, 42, we can put it back on the screen to remind us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers devoted themselves to these moments, devoted themselves to share in the breaking of communion and bread and drink so then they could be reminded, oh, God's been good to you. Can you go ahead and remind me some of that goodness because I'm gonna need a little bit of that today. Pat, can you tell me where God's been good to you and Bruce over your past several years so you can tell me so then I can be encouraged when I continue to move on in my life and my marriage and my relationships? Can you continue to speak to me, Kevin, where God has been good? I know it hasn't been feeling like it's been all that good, but you have a testimony to share so then people in this room can know where God's been faithful to you to remind those across this room where God's been faithful to them. Gary, can you begin to speak into my life to say where God's been good and faithful so then I feel encouraged as well? And then can I sit with you and tell you where he's been faithful to me? That's communion under the banner and name of Jesus. I'm a new person in him. And friends, you are too. Amen? So this morning we're gonna receive communion together. If you don't have your cup, we got friends in the back that are able to pass them out. If you have not received one, just wave your hand real high so we can get the cup to you. So I shared the story of the Chicago fire and I said this earlier about putting that kind of in your mental picture, your mind's eye, just seeing something that's kind of like destroyed and yet something can be rebuilt. And I think for, for most of us, we, we can easily create an image in our own head about something that was destroyed and then something that was rebuilt. Or there's something even in your life currently that feels like it's completely destroyed and doesn't even feel, feel, feel like it'll ever be rebuilt. Yet this is the reminder this morning of what communion can be able to become for your own life. Again, there's not anything magical in this little cup but it's the act and the practice of being able to remember examine and share with one another. Amen? So we're gonna read out of the Gospel of Matthew, this moment where Jesus sat with his disciples and he says this, Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's take the bread this morning together. Verse 27, then Jesus, he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, his disciples saying, drink of it, all of you. Those who were sitting at the table that day, 
Jesus is telling them, all of you drink of this. You're all invited into this practice of remembering me for this is my blood of the covenant, of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink today. Let me close with this encouragement. You are a new person in Jesus, being renewed day by day. God's goodness and his mercy, it chases after you and he's reminding you of his faithfulness due to the covenant that's taking place with one another, even in your world. May I challenge you to not only take communion here at Forest City the first Sunday of every single month, may you do this as a practice in your own home, whether that's you alone, whether it's over a cup of coffee and a scone, whether it's a water and chips, it does not matter. What matters is you're able to do it alone and then invite people into your space. Share the story with one another of how God has been good and faithful to you and then seal it with communion, remembering Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's sing this together.